This is episode 275 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, If you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Two Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And on today's podcast, we're going to be going through some tips, but also some ideas around prenatal exercise, because this is something Jess and I talk about with our clients all the time as a physiotherapist, as a coach. And we just think that it's a good time to revisit this. We did kind of specifically talk about this very early on in the podcast and throughout multiple episodes, but it's good to come back to it now and just kind of revisit this because so many new listeners are pregnant now. So in terms of, it's good to start with like, what did exercise look for us, right, Jess? Like in our two pregnancies, we each were pregnant almost around the same time. Jess's little ones are a little bit older than mine. Um, But for me, exercise, so with my first, it was a lot of strength work, um, loved doing weights, a lot of mobility work, 
So for anyone who's new to that idea, you can almost think of it similar to different yoga postures, yoga flows. That's like mobility, like moving stretches. So that always felt great. Um, I did walking too, lots of stairs. I actually laugh with the stairs because at that time we lived in Toronto and the condo we lived in was on the 34th floor. And uh, this was like the first half of Pippa's pregnancy. And I remember at one time Andy was away for work and the fire alarm went off and we were new in the condo. So I was like, we got to get out. And then I learned later, not everyone always does that. But anyways, I did the stairs and then ended up coming back and doing the stairs. I ended up starting doing those stairs often in that pregnancy just because I was like, this is great exercise. And I walked to work like I was running up until that pregnancy. And then I did kind of run initially a little bit, but for me, even on the elliptical, it felt really weird. It was not painful, but I felt a lot of like weird sensations in terms of the uterus and that. And I was just like, this just doesn't fit right now. So in terms of, I would more do spin. So I was like really active um, in that pregnancy and it felt great. And then with my second, I was definitely more tired with a toddler <laughs> in tow um, so with that one, I would say it was a lot more of the strengthening and the mobility work. I still kept that up and some walking, but those were kind of my main and then spin as well. Um, but yeah, I found second time around in my clients. And I remember you saying to Jess, you're just way more tired with a toddler. So I would say for me, the main thing for exercise was like that balance of strength training. And also I did Pilates as well. And I, I teach rehab Pilates, um, but yeah, the strength training and then also the mobility work, that combo I found felt so good. And my clients find that that feels good too. What about you, Jess, for yours? Yeah, they're so similar to yours. <laughs> it's funny, just as you were talking about your pregnancy with Pippa and living yeah. in Toronto, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, we lived downtown in Calgary when I was pregnant yeah. with Steel and same I did so much walking before mm -hmm. that pregnancy and during that pregnancy because we lived in walkable neighborhood and you just walked everywhere didn't really drive much didn't need to everything was so much simpler to access by foot so I did a ton of walking I was also working in person as a trainer still not a ton but you know six to eight hours a week of training clients coaching group classes and then having access to that gym to work out into so I strength trained at least three days a week that was kind of my regular and then walking most days a week doing some mobility training and then my second pregnancy same as you with a toddler a two-year-old who was almost three by the time her brother was born and oh, such a difficult time, truly. And I've been having so many conversations with clients about this recently who are pregnant with toddlers. And it was probably one of the most difficult times in my life. It was just so exhausting, so physically and mentally tough. So I was still strength training probably two or three days a week, walking some, but like toddler pace style walking. So not walking like I was. And more mobility training in that second pregnancy because I was so much more uncomfortable in my body, just so achy, a lot more stiffness, just not as comfortable as that mobility training was such a lifesaver in terms of how I felt in my physical body, but then for my mental and emotional health too. So yeah, strength, mobility, and walking was kind of what made up both pregnancies for me. 
Yeah. And I think it's great for people to hear like a variety of things. And because what I typically find with clients is they're more on one end or the other. So more strength training or mobility work, or they just, they're not a super active person. So doing activity would be something kind of newer for them. And I do find it's good to go over like, what are the physical benefits? Right. And I do find really helpful for aches and pains with a side note to that, because it depends on the movement. Right. And I think that's where it's super helpful to like, if you're working with a physio or working with a coach, who's knowledgeable, um, because I find so many people get told, Oh, if something hurts, stop. If you have back pain with something, stop. And I totally understand where that comes from. If the person saying it doesn't know what they can do to help, but then when I see clients and that's the narrative they've been fed and they're just like, like, I'm not, I'm used to being so active and I feel like I can't do anything anymore. So what we end up doing is diving deeper of like, what can we do to help the aches and pains? So then you can do the exercise you want to do versus saying, don't do lunges because you have pelvic pain. Right. So it's, I think it's one of those things. It's good for people to hear that if you have aches and pains, if it's accessible to see someone that can be help, um, like helpful, um, someone who's knowledgeable about working with the prenatal population, um, that can make a big difference so we can keep you moving. And then as well with the pelvic floor, like some people feel like, oh, I'm leaking in pregnancy. So that is just how it will always be. And I have clients who are so surprised and those in bump to birth too. Like I teach in that course, a lot of the things I teach my clients, strategies to help leaking pee when you are pregnant, because it can change. Um, or it can change postpartum too, if you're not kind of getting that knowledge until postpartum, but you can change things in pregnancy. Um, and then the other part is preparing for postpartum. Jess and I talk about all the time we've done episodes about it, especially if you're going into your first, I totally get, you don't know what to expect, right? Postpartum. So you're like, I'll just wait till I get there. But then I'll see clients who are in their second and their third baby. And they're like, oh, I wish someone like physically help me prepare for that postpartum demand because we talk about rest initially which is great and the rehab and building up but like the physical demand of lifting and carrying a baby in a stroller and a car seat and potentially another toddler like there's so many demands that if we can really hone in that strength training and mobility work in pregnancy it actually also prepares you for after baby too yeah it really does help so so much I have just been working with a one-on-one client in our two pregnancy and beyond program and her main goal of training during this pregnancy, she recently gave birth, has a toddler during this pregnancy too. Her main goal of training during this pregnancy was because postpartum the first time around, she was so achy, uncomfortable, and felt very weak in physically caring for that baby, that newborn. So that was really her mentality through the second pregnancy was, I don't want to feel that way again. And the good news is that we don't have to do a ton of exercise in pregnancy to feel better in our bodies postpartum. The stimulus does not have to be wild. We're talking like strength training, one, two, maybe three days a week, walking some, if that is something that you can access, if that is comfortable enough on your body doing mobility training a couple of times a week for a few minutes at a time. It doesn't have to be this overwhelming thing to make happen in order to really see some changes in the postpartum period. 
And I think it's good to talk about kind of frequency because again, that also prepares you for postpartum. Like, especially my first time moms, I'll say, I know you're used to going to the gym for an hour. I remember that, right? We just talked about our first pregnancies. Like we lived in a condo. I had a gym right downstairs. It was like the best thing ever. And like then postpartum, like that's not always, like you're not going to be then going and spending an hour in the gym. So if you can start kind of changing that aspect, kind of the mental side of exercise um, in pregnancy, it can actually then prepare you ahead. We've done an episode before on, you know, how to um, kind of how to deal with not having intense exercise early postpartum, right? Because it is very much a mental um, adjustment for a lot, um, a lot of people postpartum. So that's even something to, you know, to take into consideration. And then also too, like you said, Jess, in your second pregnancy, and I remember with us chatting, like, I feel like you did way more mobility work than anything else, right? So you might be coming into a pregnancy being like, but I strength train, like this is, this is me. This is what I do. And then with how your body's feeling, you may want to adjust it and be like, oh my gosh, mobility training actually feels really good on my body and will help me keep strength training. But there just may be a difference in, you know, how much of it you're actually doing based on how your body feels. Yes. And what I find so interesting for our pregnant clients too, is that So much of what they have been told that is good or beneficial for pregnancy training is walking and yoga. Those are the two things that are recommended to folks so, so often. And for so many of our clients, and I know for me, when I was strength training, when I was doing mobility training, it was the time of the day where I felt the most okay, the most comfortable in my body. When I was walking, it was not comfortable. I didn't feel okay. And doing yoga, traditionally yoga, it wasn't something I was interested in or could access too easily. So those things weren't going to fit for me. So just knowing that walking in yoga, if that has been advised to you, those are options, but there are other options too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good to bring up because every, like every care provider is going to be different. Like I feel like with now the guidelines that are like, blatantly out there like I feel like it's very rare I will ever see someone who says you know who's been told not to exercise the only time I ever see that happen would be there is a medical reason like placenta previa if there's something going on that maybe they need to reduce or you know certain things are going on with that but in general most aren't told not to exercise and there's also kind of that narrative of like if you didn't do it before pregnancy don't do it in pregnancy And there are going to be, you know, if you're not used to lifting, like let's say squatting hundred pounds, are you going to want to squat hundred pounds pregnancy? No. Um, But if you've never done strength training, you could actually start strength training in pregnancy. Like it's not one of those things that is uh, a negative thing to be doing. You're going to want to learn, you know, how and what things to do and how to actually use weights or whatever type of resistance you're using. But to know that there are things you actually can start. Cause I do think that's still a little bit there. I don't know if you hear that Jess, but I feel like that was a narrative for a while of like, if you never did it, don't. And it's like I said, lifting really heavy, but also like running. It's more like, is it going to feel great when you're pregnant? If you didn't run before, there's so many things like that where I'm like, okay, I can understand that. But in general, there's a lot of things you can start doing in pregnancy. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have people starting with us in our prenatal track who have never strength trained before and are just starting in their first trimester or second trimester. And that can absolutely be wonderful to do. And of course, I'm super biased, but it's so modifiable to a pregnant body as we move through the trimesters. And it can be a really accessible form of exercise and that you could do it in your home. Most of our clients are doing it at their home. So it can be a good thing to start. Mm -hmm. And then what about the end of pregnancy? Let's chat about like is there a certain point we're supposed to be stopping certain types of exercise or exercise in general? What do you end up talking to your clients about, Jess? Yeah, so there's no really blanket statement on end dates where it would be appropriate to stop. I know for both of us, we kept exercising to the end of our pregnancies. For a lot of our clients, they continue right up to the end of their pregnancies and feel good doing so. For some people, it's just not going to feel great on their body. They might be dealing with significant pain. They might be extremely exhausted. They might not want to. And that's an okay reason in and of itself to, to stop. So it's totally dependent on the person. But again, just know that if you're being told as a general guideline to stop at 38 weeks and there's no medical indication for it, it's just not necessary. You can keep going if you feel okay and want to keep going. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing for people to know. Yeah, exactly. Movement, whatever movement is accessible to you can, again, feel good, feel helpful, or even um, I talk a lot about the birth ball with clients. So there's so many ways you can use it in pregnancy that can actually help with comfort too. So even knowing there may be certain postures that could actually help and then may allow you to do more movement if you're feeling uncomfortable, but exactly what you said, Jess, it's like, there's no, there's no stop time. Um, and then I also hear it too, in terms of like pelvic floor exercise too. Like some people get told stop doing any sort of activation of the pelvic floor. And I am not in that side of it. Um, I would say in terms of as you get closer to birth, like I use the flower bloom breath more that relaxation, which is helpful for labor. Um, and so I'll encourage clients to kind of increase that or have more of that focus, but we know it's actually really helpful to maintain the flexibility. So to be able to contract and relax. And I know some people look at that as pure strength, however you want to look at it. Um, I do think that's helpful to keep up because that's something helpful to return to do um, early postpartum. So I want clients to still feel that connection to the muscles in that way, but it is different than some people get told traditionally of like, just squeeze and clench your pelvic floor, which is not something either of us teach at all. So I think it depends what you're learning and where you're hearing it from. But I did want to bring that up because I know some people get told, stop activating your pelvic floor, you know, within that last like few weeks. And I'm like, it's totally fine to keep doing and actually would be helpful. So you can stay kind of keep that awareness and that connection for postpartum. That's such good advice. And again, it's the nuance of it, right? If we're not recommending three sets of 100 Kegels per day, <laughs> like if we can do a few yeah. <laughs> a couple yeah. times a day yeah. to like, yes, like you're saying, keep that brain body connection, feel yeah. that place in your body. That's going to yeah. be important for all folks. Yeah. Cool. That can be a really positive thing. Yeah. And I mean, as we both do, like we bring it into movement. So even at that point, unless 
the only time would be like if I'm not if I'm seeing someone like the very end I'm only seeing them like a couple times before they give birth but most I will see for a while so I'm like at that point it's been brought into exercise and movement so you're just going to bring it into whatever other movements you're doing anyways um and then also the flower bloom the relaxation breath as well but I think it's totally fine to to continue doing that till the end We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher.